0: Welcome to Terms of Service, a new Pornhub podcast. This is a show where I, Asa Akira, a porn star, along with my boss, Alex Gakesi, the VP of Brand and Community at Pornhub, talk with people from various industries and points of view regarding matters of censorship, deplatforming, free speech, and the most interesting thing in the world, sex. So I guess to start, hello, uh, who are
1: you? Hi, I'm Alex Kekesi, and I'm Pornhub's VP of Brand and Community.
0: Okay, what does that mean?
1: That's a great question. So it is a new role within Pornhub, but it's a role that I'm really excited about. I've been with the company for a little under 10 years now, and in that time, I've I've really enjoyed the work that I've done more directly, I guess, with performers and with the larger sex work industry. And I think what this is going to allow me to do in being more visible in the role is to successfully bridge a little bit better um, the links between the more corporate side of the pornography industry and the actual sex work community itself. And to really, um, you know, with that bridging, improve communication, do better as far as, as stuff like performer advocacy and, and really, you know, bring things full circle as far as making sure that we're really communicating effectively with the sex work community and that, um, you know, they're feeling amplified and supported by the products that we're creating and the initiatives that we're, that we're putting out there. And also, you know, just to, to give a little bit more of a voice to a brand that, like I said, has been sort of at the forefront of the industry for, for a while, but just to help people sort of better understand us and, and who we are and what we're about.
0: Yeah. And I can say, you know, as a sex worker, I think that feels like something that's really needed because I I think so often when it comes to sex work, um, you know, whether people are against us or for us, there is always kind of a disconnect and our voices aren't really amplified. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that it, like as a sex worker, I super appreciate that you guys are even like trying to do something like that. Mm-hmm. I also want to say like, so pretty much the whole time I've been with Pornhub, which is the last six years, and I'm going to go ahead and say this because I know you won't, but you are totally, completely, and absolutely the driving force behind this brand the entire time I've been with you guys. And you've been the sole reason, I think, for the change of the perception of the brand, right? Like you took Pornhub from what was just a tube site to now something that's, a tool and something that's a huge moneymaker and and something that's like very valuable for sex workers and a brand that we can all collectively really, really say and feel like is very much behind us in a way that I think a lot of platforms, whether they are, you know, directly sex work related or not, like we don't really feel a lot of support all the Mm -hmm. time, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So all that being said, you know, in the last almost 10 years or whatever, it seems like things have really been working out for you. Great. In this behind the scenes role. So why why take it public? Like why now? And why, why is that important?
1: That's really nice. Thank you. I've, I've really like, yeah, I've really enjoyed working on a lot of the projects that you're speaking on. So just finding ways of, you know, just getting the brand out there in a way that I think people wouldn't really expect. So through things like working with different fashion designers or, you know, on even like in, in arts in, in certain cases where we've worked with different like filmmakers or, or gallerists on, on really interesting projects. Like I really, really love the idea of getting Pornhub. And then I guess more indirectly, like the larger adult industry and sex workers talked about in these kinds of quote unquote, I guess like unconventional spaces. So like aligning sex work with things like art, which I know is not like a novel thing, but I think, you know, today when there is like really considerable scrutiny, I think on the larger pornography industry, and there still is so much stigma that's coming from so many different places, and that both sex workers as professionals are really misunderstood. And then I think the larger adult industry is also really misunderstood as far as like how it operates and how, how actually really safe it is. That's something that I'm really excited about helping people to better understand. And it's also worth mentioning that, you know, it might seem obvious, but, or that it goes without saying, but I'll say it, um, that without the creators and without the, the models and the sex workers that are putting their content on Pornhub, like there is no Pornhub and they're really the lifeblood of, of this brand and of online pornography in general. So I think that like now more than ever, it's really, really important that we're creating that bridge and that there is that line of communication that's like really visible and enforced.
0: And, you know, without like giving further exposure for like these people Uh that, you know, are, I would say attacking not just Pornhub, but the sex industry Mm -hmm. as a whole. I have seen firsthand, both as a sex worker and someone who's worked closely with a brand for years, that there's a lot of misconceptions that come with, you know, both, both from within the industry, mm-hmm. but more so like from the general public about the brand. Like, can we can we talk about that? Like, like, is Pornhub the wild, wild west where people can upload anything they want and there's no moderation in place and users are just getting viruses left and right? Mm-hmm. Like, can we... Get some clarification on that.
1: Yeah, so that's that's exactly it. I think within the industry itself, as far as like performers and, and content creators are concerned, I think the biggest misconception, which has probably been cleaned up over the past years. But before, I think it was, you know, this impression that Pornhub is just riddled with you know, pirated content. And Mm -hmm. then we're trying to steal from sex workers and take away from their bottom line and like profit off of their content.
0: For sure. Like when I got into the Mm -hmm. industry, like, you know, 13 years ago or whatever, like when you talked about tube sites, like no performer would have ever promoted a company like Pornhub. For sure. Right. And that's, it's completely changed. Mm -hmm. I think like, I, I think myself along with most other sex workers, like we see porn hemp as a tool. We see something at, is we see it as something that has kind of I don't want to say rescued, but like kind of like given us a huge, much better other option than like the studio system, which mm-hmm. is that like we go to a set and shoot for a production company and they make all the money on our content, mm-hmm. right?
1: Well, it's like, I guess we see it as all kind of existing together. So now one of the things that I think is so exciting about um, the industry, the porn industry, is that there are just so many different ways that creators can monetize their content. Where like you said before, it was really just that. It was like, you either by yourself or through an agent, get booked, you do a scene, you make your money from that scene, that's it. You don't get any, or I don't think so. You didn't get really like any residuals or like at royalties. All. Exactly. So, like, but, and I know that there still are people that, like, are doing that, like, even really big names, of course, are still shooting for studios. Sure,
0: that's, like, not without its benefits, too. yeah, of
1: course, because you're still, there still is such an appetite for that content, and there still is a huge audience for that kind of content. But then also, you know, now we're really moving towards a more model or creator-focused marketplace, I guess, where people are making their own content. They're uploading it to platforms like Pornhub, where they're able to earn add revenue from the views. And I think that is also just a big misconception that people, obviously within the industry, I think people know that for mm-hmm. sure, because yeah. like you said, they're using it as a marketing tool to get in front of audiences. They're using the fact that we do have this huge amount of traffic to get in front of people. Um, but I think a lot of, you know, civilians, as we call them, like mm-hmm. they don't know that that's a valid way for people to to earn a living that they're, you know, that it works just like YouTube does where, you know, pretty straightforward, you get A portion of the ad revenue based on the views that your content generates. Mm -hmm. So I would say that's a big misconception. Then just circling back to what you were talking about before with respect to content moderation, I think a lot of people unfortunately still don't know that, you know, as far as we're concerned anyway, I would say that Pornhub is the most moderated user-generated content type platform that currently exists. There's a huge moderation process. In porn or you mean like across all platforms? Certainly in porn, absolutely. But if you consider the fact that Pornhub is essentially, you know, a website that works, like I said, in the same way that YouTube was, can be also comparable to platforms like Instagram, like Twitter, where we rely on other people putting their content on our site for it to be interesting. We're not creating stuff ourselves then yeah, like in order for someone to actually get from the point of like, okay, I've decided today that I want to be a creator on Pornhub. There's a process that you have to go through to get verified. We use a third-party processor called Yodi that's used by a bunch of other, you know, government-type platforms, banking platforms. It's very regulated. So they'll make sure that like, before you can even upload anything, like you have to do a scan of your ID and then that's cross-referenced with like a live likeness scan to make sure. And it's like a real human that does this on their side to ensure that the ID matches the person. And then only once you've done that, are you then able to actually start uploading content to monetize. And then once you know you get to that stage and you put something up on the site, it's not just like, okay, that's it. That then also does get scanned through a bunch of different databases to make sure that it's not, you know, known CSAM kind of content, that it's not known revenge porn. CSAM being? Child sexual abuse material to make sure that it's it's not, you know, copyrighted content as well, because creators can use our fingerprinting system to to mark their content to make sure that it doesn't get uploaded elsewhere as well. So it goes through all of that. And then after that, it goes through to human moderation, where it does actually get checked by a human on our side to, again, just make sure that even if it's not, you know, caught by one of those previous filters, that it doesn't have any kind of content that would be marked as non-compliant on our side. So we do have a very strict set of rules when it comes to that. We do not allow illegal content on our site of any kind. So that means no child abuse material. That means no revenge porn, nothing non-consensual of any kind. So yeah, it does really have this really rigorous kind of set of check marks. And only once it gets through all of that is it able to then go live on the site and be viewed by people and engaged with so that people can then make money off the views.
0: If I'm not mistaken, like no other platform takes all those measures. I mean- No, like,
1: as far as I know, no, certainly not. I mean- uh,
0: The big ones. We'll the big ones, no, um, <laughs> which is interesting because they're And the we're ones... talking about mainstream platforms, not yeah. necessarily like other porn sites.
1: No, we've seen time and again, like not to, to throw them- under the bus because I know like firsthand that it is, you know, it is a a difficult thing to deal with. There are bad actors out there that are going to abuse platforms and try and use them to nefarious ends. Mm -hmm. But we take it as our responsibility to really try and push back against that. And we've spent a lot of money. We've hired a lot of experts of all kinds. And just, you know, the subscription fees that we have to pay to use these products are very high. But those are those are things that we're like happy to pay for because really we do, view it not only as our responsibility as a platform in the industry, but also to set an example. Like we really are trying to be not only best in class, I think we are best in class, but also to show other people like this is possible, this is tenable and you really should be doing it because people deserve a safe experience.
0: Sure. Yeah. And especially being, you know, the porn industry, like we have more eyes on us, right? And so it's extra, extra. I mean, it's important across the board, but One thing that you mentioned that I think is actually also a huge misconception, and I mean, I know this to be true because I get asked this all the time, Mm -hmm. is people think that Pornhub is a production company. Yeah. In addition to being, you know, a site where we all, that works much like YouTube, right? Where like individual content creators, we upload our own content to the site. Like Mm -hmm. people think that Pornhub makes porn. I see all kinds of stuff like
1: people asking like when we're holding castings and <laughs> stuff like that and I'm just like babes there's there's no casting it's not happening like here's the information on our model program you're welcome and encouraged to join but like there's no director sitting in a room like waiting for Pornhub's next top model like that doesn't exist
0: <laughs> right So back to like content creating you know I am a content creator on mm-hmm. Pornhub myself and, you know, like we said, I think at this point, sex workers use Pornhub as like this tool and like, uh, you know, it's, it's a big moneymaker for us. But can you give us a general overview of like how Pornhub works for content creators? Like, I think people don't really know how exactly performers are making money on Pornhub. Can we get into that? Yeah, that's a big misconception that free porn means that no money is
1: being made for the creator. So currently today, the way that people are able to monetize their content on Pornhub is by earning a portion of the ad revenue. So Pornhub is an ad-supported platform, which means that when you're putting content on the site, depending on your engagement levels, so how long people are watching your videos for, how many times they're watching your videos, how many people are watching them, et cetera, That then translates into a certain amount of money per view, which then is how you're able to earn, you know, from Pornhub. And there's a lot of people that are actually making quite a bit of money that way. I think that's another big misconception is that it only, you know, adds up to pennies. But there's, you know, good money that's definitely being made on Pornhub. There's like actual titles in the company that are called like model success coordinators, like literally for models to do the best that they possibly can and make the most possible money and reach the most people within like their specific kind of audience scope as possible. So they work directly with people that are models that are in the program, will do audits of your profile, will under, you know, and kind of just give you pointers of like, okay, this kind of stuff is doing really well, this stuff, not so much here's like, you know, some tips and tricks to like really optimize your content. We're very, very, very dedicated to models, collective and individual success on the platform. So that's one thing that I wish people knew more about, even within the industry. I think there's like a lot of models that don't even know that we offer those services. So I think if they want to get in touch, it's just models at Pornhub.com. And yeah, there, there are people that will, will help you out. And then even people that will Um, just assist you like directly with stuff like technical issues or whatever that you might have with your model profile.
0: Mm -hmm. And one thing I think that's like really worth noting, especially right now with all the Instagram, Mm -hmm. you know, being taken down. And I I mean, obviously we're here to talk about terms of service and like, and how vague they are. And, you know, I I think like when Instagram removes an account, they don't tell us any information, right? They just Mm -hmm. say you've at best, they'll say you violated the terms of service. And that's even if you get any kind of notification at yeah. all. And then it doesn't really go much more into detail from there. But, like, I do know that if Pornhub were to delete a video of mine, mm-hmm. they would tell me exactly what I my video is being taken down for. Yeah. Obviously, depending on the circumstance, like, if it's something that I can fix and re-upload, right? Mm-hmm. Like... Maybe, can you give me an example of that? Like, what's like a reason that might surprise people that a video might be taken down?
1: Sure, so I think we can actually bring this back to another big misconception dating back to late 2020, early 21, when we removed 10 million videos from the site. And there was a lot of misunderstanding and misconception of what that was. There's like these ridiculous figures going around saying that we removed, you know, 10 million illegal videos and it was Mm -hmm. all revenge porn or all horrible stuff. That was absolutely not the case. It was videos that came from unverified accounts. So to your point, we did offer a path back to those people that had those unverified accounts or these videos that were on unverified accounts to come back. So we invited them to, again, go through the verification process, which I explained a little bit earlier. Once they did that, they were welcome to, you know, revisit that content and make sure that it was ap- that it was adhering to our compliance rules. So in certain cases if if the content is illegal, then we're going to there's like no way back. So that's sure. that's something like underage content, non-consensual content, that is like a zero tolerance policy you are done. If it's something that's in more of like a gray area, for instance, one of our rules is like no animal content. So obviously in the most extreme of Forms That would be bestiality. That is, of course, not welcome on Pornhub. That is illegal content. But in some cases, you know, people are shooting content at home and people have pets. So if you're, you know, doing your scene in your bedroom, whatever, and like your dog happens to like run in and then you have to like shoo him off the bed, even though like clearly you're not engaging in illegal activity, it's still to us your dog's kind of in the scene. Mm-hmm. So we can't have that. <laughs> and we'll tell you like, Hey man, like next time, make sure your door's closed or you can edit that scene out and then put it back on the, on the platform and it's compliant again. And that's okay. So we do want people that are, and that's like a good example. Cause it's obviously not someone acting like maliciously or that's trying to like abuse sure. the rules. And those are two really different people. Well,
0: I think that that's really telling of like what what the goal is there, right? Because obviously like if you're going to remove someone's content and tell them exactly why and how to change the content in a way that they can Mm -hmm. be, it's like, obviously your goal there is to better the site, make a better experience for everyone, the uploader, the viewer, everyone, right? Yeah. Um, That's
1: always the goal is that we're anytime that we have rules on, on the site or on our platform that are very, you know, rigorously enforced. It's for the safety of the viewer to, to ensure that like they can trust when they're coming on our platform, that they're not going to encounter any kind of illegal content, that they don't have to feel worried about ever seeing anything like that. And then of course, on the side of the content creator, that they can feel confident in uploading to a site that really does take these things seriously and wants to make a safe viewing platform.
0: So what does that say about a platform like Instagram where like clearly they're not giving us that transparency? And that makes me think like the goal is not to actually have a safer place for everyone and for, you know, everyone to be able to upload the right things or like the compliant things. Like why aren't they doing that?
1: Well, because I think what you're saying, everyone is really interesting because for us, Everyone includes and if not favors sex workers, like for us, Mm -hmm. right? Like Pornhub is ultimately a platform that is for sex workers. We want people to feel confident and safe putting their content there and that, you know, that they can trust that we're really doing our best to try and reach, help them reach as many people as possible for like the kind of content that they're creating. Instagram, I think, or Meta wants that for certain kinds of people only. Mm Mm-hmm. So, you know, in the in the open letter, no, exactly not people from our industry, not from our community, for sure not. Um, and we've seen this, you know, time and again, where there's just been really different rules that have been applied, you know, to celebrities. Like I remember seeing a couple of years ago, like Cardi B going to a strip club and there were, you know, strippers that were basically having sex on her stories. And I was like, that's sick. Like, that's amazing. Like, I'm super happy that, like, that is allowed on here. But at the same time, like, bummed because, you know, we would not be allowed to have anything that's remotely close to that. Like, I thought it was great to show, you know, someone like Cardi B, who's a rare instance As a celebrity, someone that you know was a sex worker, and she's open about it, is open about it, is proud about it, and is going back to the strip club and giving back to the community. I think that's amazing. Yeah, people are able to see that. But then on the other hand it's own, that kind of visibility is only really afforded to like a very small group of people.
0: But like, what does that say about where we are today? Like culturally as a society, like how come there can be this huge celebrity, one of the biggest in the country right now, maybe the world who is openly an ex sex worker. How can sex be so mainstream? But, and yet also we are more discriminated against than mm-hmm. ever perhaps.
1: I think cause there's, there's still just like acceptability politics that are so at play. And there is this fine line that I think to most people is pretty invisible. Like if you think about going back to Cardi, just a song, like wet ass pussy is like insane that that's, you know, that was like a chart topper <laughs> and it's so vulgar, but like, I love it. It's great that that's happening, but then like, you know you, you, you could not have the say, like, I think that that's like available to, again, like a very limited group of people that would sure. be able to enjoy that level of success with that kind of.
0: If I even so much as say the word pussy in a caption mm-hmm. on, you know, a more mainstream social media site, it would get flagged and taken down. Probably.
1: Even if you put like a cat emoji
0: for sure. Exactly. Actually, yes. That mm-hmm. is
1: actually a
0: thing. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So I think it's also potentially because, you know, Cardi isn't a sex worker anymore, quote Mm -hmm. unquote, if you can even look at it that way. It's I think a lot of the way that it's it's talked and not the way necessarily that she talks about it. But I think the way that people talk about her when they're framing it is that it's very much like this redemption case. Right. Where it's like. She was a stripper, but look at her now, you know what I mean? It's not like this like celebratory thing where you can be kind of both at the same time..
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So
1: I think that's why she's kind of like given that pass and again, that's like i that's not her saying that. I think it's just very carefully the way that certain narratives of her or around her have been constructed.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah, it's just a clear like double standard mm mm-hmm you know, on my end as a performer, I've watched our industry really change in the last decade. We went from DVD to internet. We went from studio system to like, everyone is just kind of shooting their own content now. From your end, have you seen like, how has pornography evolved over the past decade? Like have, have search trends changed? For For sure. Yeah.
1: There's been, there's definitely been search trend changes. We kind of put all of that on our insights blog um, which people really love and has done really well for us Mm -hmm. it's um, so it's just at pornhub.com slash insights and there we basically just kind of make use of all the site data that's completely anonymized so there's no you know tracing individual to any kind (laughs) of any kind of search patterns or, or behaviors
0: <laughs> on January fourth, yeah, two thousand twelve, <laughs> over in
1: Philadelphia. No, that's not how it works. It's it's completely anonymized. But what is really interesting is that it does give us the ability to look at certain shifts that have happened either over time or like which kinds of terms are more popular in certain parts of the world versus others. Um, and we can break that down to gender. We can break that down to age. Like there's all kinds of different ways that we can look at it. Um, one of the things that I found really interesting within that in particular is the whole porn for women thing, which I think is Mm -hmm. like a very
0: problematic and completely kind of bullshit term. Why? Why? Because I think on the surface that sounds like what's wrong with porn for women, but well, I think
1: it's, it, I think it kind of implies that there is one type of porn for women. Right. And I think what probably comes to mind for most people is this idea that women only like porn. That's like probably not really showing hardcore penetration. It's like very soft. And it's like the very kind of like Harlequin romance novel type narrative. And that's not what we've seen at all. Like one thing that's really interesting to me is that women really love lesbian porn. They also really like the quote unquote more brutal kind of stuff. Like I, I think, think gangbangs, right? Gang bangs. Usually like, with yeah, exactly. That kind of stuff. Um, so that to me is really interesting because that kind of directly, I think, opposes this idea. And then also on Pornhub, we changed the way that we categorize that kind of porn because we did used to have that as a category. What, like porn, for, porn women? for women. So I think people would, you know, when they're uploading to the site, they would categorize exactly that kind of content, like the softer, like more. What is more. it now? So now it's actually, um, it's AI generated. So it it that category is populated by data. So it means that The videos that are in there are videos that we know that female viewers are actually watching and engaging with.
0: It's not like some dude in a room deciding what kind of porn women watch. Like, oh, like, this is nice. This is (laughs) gentle and cute. (laughs) A woman would love this hand-holding video. Yeah, exactly. Just just (laughs) making out a little bit,
1: but no tongue. No tongue. Exactly. It's like, so it's actually the stuff in there that, and again, this is like anonymized, but like from what Google Analytics shows us as a female viewer, this is the content that people that are categorized as such are watching and engaging with and like liking and watching in full length, like that kind of stuff. So it is really.
0: Oh, you can tell when we've watched something in Mm -hmm. full length. Do you happen to know how often someone watches a a video all the way to the end? Just Um, as a content creator, creator. Well, I
1: think the average watch time on Pornhub is somewhere in like the eight minute mark.
0: That's really long, actually.
1: Well, that's like time on site. So that's not necessarily sitting, <laughs> watching so then, one video. That's like clicking around being like, okay, nah, 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 and like,
0: okay, this I just
1: looks good. Hovering over that thumbnail. That's like,
0: I retract eight <laughs> minutes is very short. It's,
1: I mean, <laughs> people, yeah, it's one and done. But then I guess just from what I've seen, like you said, as far as how things have changed, from the creator's perspective, like when I first started with Pornhub about 10 years ago, I saw that, you know, it was largely a lot of like studio kind of stuff. And I think at that time, there was like a pretty singular understanding of what a porn star was or what a porn star looked like. For
0: sure. Blonde, and, big tits, yeah, small waist. Big
1: lips. Exactly. And then, you know, there was like, of course, like a little bit of variation. Mm-hmm. Like a me. <laughs> like a you. Exactly. Um, but, and they're like BBW stuff and then they you know,
0: like, but it was still like, those were considered like very niche sure. type performers. I would almost go as far as to say you could not make a career out right. of those categories. Exactly. Right? Like, like a, like a BBW performer may have had another job.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And would be probably getting paid less right. than, you know, the quote unquote more desirable, like more mainstream as far as pornography can be mainstream type. Uh, Model, but now what? Something that I really love about the way that things are now, which is that creators are creating their own content. Um, They're coming up with like you know different scenarios and like you know, and that can just be either solo all the way up to like a huge like gangbang type thing. But like they're the ones that are creating these narratives of like what that looks like, and I think that that's really interesting because to me that's kind of democratized what is desirable or what's considered desirable. And those people, those creators are finding audiences, right? Obviously, because if they weren't, then they wouldn't keep making more and more of this stuff. So we really are seeing that there is an appetite for so many different kinds of of porn, really. So that's like all different genders, all different body types, all different
0: races and ethnicities. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I can't tell you how many times, you know, my, with my time in... Shooting studio porn, Mm -hmm. so meaning like I was shooting for production companies, not for myself, and getting huge
1: glam and like wardrobe, like all kinds of crazy high budget. Yeah,
0: but I can't tell you how many times I've been told that I can't be on the cover of a movie because if I'm on the cover, people will think it's an Asian movie. Or like, I can't tell you how many times me and you know my fellow like people of color like have been told. Oh, like a movie just won't sell as much if you're on the cover, like straight up. Because and it's
1: categorizing it as like a quote unquote a niche thing mm-hmm. as opposed to just like a lesbian sure. video or and whatever.
0: The underlying message of that all being, you know, like, oh, uh, a skinny white girl with huge tits is what's going to make them people some more money. Yeah, what people want exactly. and what people find
1: attractive. And that's because at a certain time it was a very small group of people. So people that were directing and or producing, they were thinking about like what they think is hot. Right. Mm -hmm. And now we're seeing that changing. Like the marketplace has shifted to something that's much more like, I guess, like a
0: Spotify, Mm -hmm. for instance. You saying that is like, so that, that I think people don't realize like that is the very reason why something like Pornhub's Instagram account is so important. Right. Because I think people don't realize that, and and maybe I'm just projecting this because I do come from like an older style of porn, of like the studio days of porn, but like people don't realize that most of Pornhub and most of the porn on the internet is made by people whose names we don't know, mm-hmm. right? Or Or like an up-and-comer or someone much more, what we would have called amateur, you know, two mm-hmm. years ago. Mm-hmm. And and I think Pornhub was really, really good about giving those people exposure to their 13 million followers. And that's something that like previously was really only extended to like the top 20 stars. Right. Right. Um, and that's like contract stars mm-hmm. or the blonde with big boobs. So I think like that's that's a huge thing that we don't that people don't realize but those are all like valuable viewers because they're really buying your stuff. They're really
1: engaging with you. And that does translate in a much more meaningful way. You know, they might be buying like direct videos from you, like direct downloads. They can do customs. They can like, if they really like resonate with your stuff, they want that from you. So I think that was more like the analogy that I was going for.
0: I I think it's super, super obvious that you really care about us. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I laugh because it's like, I don't know, it's almost awkward to say it like that. But like, you know, like the honest truth is like as a sex worker, like we are not used to anyone that's not a sex worker mm-hmm. or like directly our family giving a shit about us. And mm-hmm. that is like the really, really sad, sad truth. So I kind of want to ask you, and I've like never even asked you this in real life (laughs) personally before, like what drew you to this work? And and why is it so important to you to protect and advocate for us sex workers? Mm -hmm. It's almost like that thing where like when you meet like a gynecologist, you're like, why are you, (laughs) why do you care about vaginas? Like I, like you as a non-sex worker, why is this so important to you?
1: I think, so I came about this, like when I started working for Pornhub, it was, again, 10 years ago, I took like an entry level job with the company doing social media. And at the time I had recently graduated from university. I had done um, a gender and sexuality degree and a lot of my coursework was focused on sex work. A couple of my professors were sex workers. Um, I learned. Yeah, it was really, really cool. We I learned a lot. Um I would say, like, both from, like, the legal perspective, so just kind of getting a better understanding of, like, the different ways that sex work is criminalized in different countries, but then also kind of, like, from the more fun, I guess, like, art history perspective. So just, like, engaging with, like, different films, different works of art that was – that have been made by sex workers. And it just – it really resonated with me, I would say, from the perspective of – bodily autonomy. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think within the realm of reproductive rights, you know, that's something especially with like Roe versus Wade is very topical these days, but a lot of that narrative is really restricted to um, like the concept of like motherhood and pregnancy because Mm. those are viewed as like the appropriate or acceptable or desirable ways, um, you know, that we can kind of engage with that content, right? But I think- or with that subject matter as far as like, you know, a woman having a choice or someone who's able to have, you know, reproductive autonomy
0: over their bodies. But then I really- Or basically like a woman can have sex if it's to reproduce. Exactly.
1: Yeah. So it's really limited. And, and I think, you know, obviously that's like a very approachable and accessible standpoint for a lot of people, but I think I would encourage people to also think about it from perspective of sex work because it is there is just so much of an overlap there. And like I know, of course, there's all kinds of genders that engage in sex work like we have, you know, even just on Pornhub, we see that there's like lots of trans folks, there's lots of non-binary folks, there's lots of men. But by and large, it is a women's industry, I would say. So when we think about bodily autonomy and what is acceptable as far as like how a woman can monetize her body, like in a very... Literal way Like the body As like a marketplace People get really upset About that
0: I mean you can even say Like You know On a very Very like Just Basic level Like If if a man does porn That's awesome Right? Uh-huh. But if a woman Any type of woman Does gross. porn Then it's What's wrong with you? Yeah
1: Like you're there's You're obviously fucked up You're obviously on drugs Like you have some kind of Tragic story um, Which is just categorically not true. Like, of course, yes, there are people like that, but there is people like that that have office jobs. There's people like that that work at McDonald's. You know what I mean? And that's been something that like, I've really enjoyed about working in this job is that like, it's, I've, you know, made a lot more friends that are in this industry and like, just seeing you guys just like have a really good time doing what you're Mm -hmm. doing and like, otherwise living like, you know, pretty normal lives. It's just like- (laughs) You know, I've been to your house. It's (laughs) really nice. Um, Shockingly normal. You have a very cute family. You know what I mean? Um, But that's it. And I think like, yeah, for me, it's really just about like bodily autonomy and like absolute, you know, freedom.
0: Which is, I think, I think that would be infuriating for some people to hear. Like, like a lot of people who would call themselves, I put this in quotes, feminists out there like they're anti-sex, anti-porn. Like how would you explain to the anti-porn feminist mm-hmm. your stance?
1: Yeah, the common argument I guess that pornography a only exists for men, that mm-hmm. it's it's too it's for the male gaze. But isn't that in and of itself like super anti-feminist? Of Absolutely, that's exactly it. It's it's extremely um I think it's like very pathologizing, you know what I mean? And I think it actually is a complete removal of agency Mm -hmm. as well, because like, first of all, okay, that's fine. Like if, if you don't like to watch porn and you're triggered by watching porn and like you see that as inherently violent, that's fine. But I think that that's where we always get into like these dangerous situations, right? Where people take their own feelings and are trying to apply it you know, to everybody yeah, because they feel threatened by it. It's just like,
0: dude, fine, just like don't watch it. It's okay. (laughs) Isn't it weird how anyone that watches porn is like, it's fine if you don't watch porn. And then people on the not watching porn side are like, it's not okay that you watch porn.
1: Exactly. Because like they just don't want it to exist in the same way, you know, like again, like to bring it back to like the abortion Question. I think for the most part, like something that people have a really hard time with and can be like a pretty, you know, challenging thing to go through. But I'm really happy that people have access to it and that it, you know, is there for people to be able to save their lives. And with pornography, it's the same thing. It's just like people should have the ability to work safely as sex workers and create content that we know that people want and
0: not be bothered by it, you know, mm-hmm. like by other people. Yeah. So in your role, becoming public, mm-hmm. which is happening right now as we speak, yeah, are you anticipating the end of any relationships in your life? Or like, have you already maybe even lost or had to end relationships? And I don't necessarily mean romantic. I just mean like like, for example, there are family members that don't mm-hmm. speak to me because I'm in sex work. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously with this new role, you are publicly right, um, very much involved in the porn industry. Like, yeah. is that something you think about or were worried about, are worried about? For sure. It's something that I think about all the time. Um, but
1: you know, the way that the way that I'm approaching it, which you know, I know is not necessarily a luxury that everybody has. And I'm very conscious of that. But to me, it's kind of just like at this point, you know, I'm 35. If this is just not something that you can stand by and you're supposed to be someone that's like close to me in my life, then like that probably just means that
0: we're not compatible anymore. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, obviously there is a huge advantage to remaining anonymous, somewhat anonymous in this industry. Like I have a stage name. Most performers I know have a stage name, at least the last name, right? Yeah. You're not using one. And for example, like the worst thing that's happened to me since I've been in the industry is someone uh, made a call to child protective services using my legal name and Basically, like, the FBI showed up at my door one mm-hmm. day, right? I remember and, that. It was insanely, yeah, insanely fucked up. Yeah, super fucked up. And, like, you know, I was under investigation for child abuse um, and, like, making child pornography, et cetera, et cetera. And, but, like, that is a very real, real, real consequence of, like, being in the adult entertainment industry, in the sex industry, whatever. Like, is are you afraid of that? And, like, I'm sure that had a big part of, like, why you haven't, you know, been public up until this point. Mm-hmm. But, like, are are you afraid of that?
1: Yeah, I'm definitely afraid of being doxed. Um, and for people that don't know what doxing I mean, I'm sure everyone knows what doxing is in 2022. But Maybe not. My information being, you know, publicly leaked as far as, like, where I live or, like, who yeah. my family members are. But at the same time, like, I really just think that it's it's important, like you said, that there is someone that's able to articulate about these things Mm -hmm. um, in a hopefully somewhat intelligent way, you know, that there are real misconceptions about the industry and our brand and how we work and what we stand for, because there's yeah, we're just getting spoken over and in some cases spoken for in ways that are really misleading and really dangerous. And we just can't have that happen anymore.
0: Yeah, no, I I think anyone in the industry can understand that it's a very dangerous and risky role. Mm -hmm. And I can, you know, even from the inside out, like I can absolutely see why no one would want that gig. Yeah. Like, you know, um, unless you really, really cared, like I can see why that is not I can see why there's not a long line (laughs) for your job, Alex. (laughs) So there have been so many really great things that Pornhub has done beyond just entertainment Mm -hmm. or even beyond just, you know, creating a space for sex workers to make money. Mm -hmm. Can we talk about that?
1: Yeah. So I would say um, I think you're probably talking most specifically about Pornhub Cares, Mm -hmm. as one of the examples. So, that is our philanthropic division. And that started back in 2015. The first initiative that we did under that was the Pornhub Scholarship. Um, We've done a couple of those. We've also given a couple of grants away under Pornhub Cares, um, specifically for people that have been researching in sexuality or sexual wellness. We've done a number of different partnerships uh, for other causes, like in the environment. We've done work for animal welfare with PETA, all kinds of stuff. So that, that's been really nice and just like a really fun way for people to connect with us kind of more directly because we'll do a lot of these things where, like, you know, for this many views in this category, we'll give to this cause. So it kind of does like invite our larger audience to like engage with those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have the Pornhub Sexual Wellness Center, which is something that we started in 2017. Um, that is overseen by Dr. Lori Batito, who's a sex therapist. We upload to that platform uh, three times a week. And one of those is always a Q&A with her, which is like actual questions from people within the community that ask all kinds of different questions about sexual wellness. Uh, spoiler alert, a lot of it is dudes asking questions about their dicks. But um, <laughs> we do – all kinds of other... Shocking. I know, right? <laughs> um, but no, it's it's actually really interesting, and it's really nice to see people actually engaging with it in, like, a meaningful way and, like, actually
0: getting help from someone that knows what they're talking about. No, yeah. It, it's crazy because, like, there, there are actually so few places to learn about sex outside of porn. Like, yeah. Like, n- nobody I know signed up for porn to be, like a sex ed teacher. Cuz we
1: don't want it to be that's the whole thing. Like I don't think that people should be learning about sex from porn. Porn is supposed to be entertainment and sure like it can be um a gateway for discovery I would say. Like I think that it's very um it's certainly okay to think about it as something that can help you discover like oh, I didn't know that that turned me on or I didn't know that this could be exciting or interesting to me. Like any other
0: art form, I guess. Exactly, and that,
1: I think it's a really safe way for people, you know, especially when you're questioning like your own sexuality, which is something that I think people can be really scared of doing. Yeah. Like if you're like, oh, I think I might be queer because like I'm watching this kind of stuff and it's sort of turning me on, like that's a much safer starting point than you know, lots of other ways that people in the past have had to you sure. know, figure that out and like explore Like going on Craigslist. Exactly. Or even yeah. just like going to, you know, to a bar and like misreading signs from someone. Like that can be, you know, really awkward and in some cases very dangerous. So I think there is a certain level of safety that a lot of people don't realize that porn affords in those specific circumstances. But besides that, like porn is not sex ed and that's why we have this specific platform that really is about that and really does touch on everything to do with sexual wellness. So yes, on the one hand, you can learn about the, you know, the basic stuff like pregnancy prevention, family planning and STDs and da, 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 da. But then it also gets into other stuff like learning about, you know, proper vocabulary when it comes to gender, um, you know, how to talk about pronouns, how to talk to people about respecting your pronouns, um, how to talk to someone, you know, one of your partners about kink and something that you might want to explore. What consent should look like, how that can play out in a sexual scenario in a way that doesn't feel super clunky and awkward. So it's really um, a really, really good resource. I think we've really built on it and Hmm. expanded the different kinds of, um, you know, specialists that we give people access to. Um, And then more recently, we've done a couple of of, uh, initiatives and events that I've really, really loved working on. Uh, One was our Pornhub Literacy series. So that was designed specifically um, to, to really just help people understand kind of on a very basic level, some of the stuff we've just been talking about, like what Pornhub is, how it works, how we keep people safe, um, just to kind of try and clear out a lot of those misconceptions. We did that with Liz Goldwyn, who was a pleasure to work with, um, comes from Hollywood royalty, and um, just kind of gave it this like really fun and really interesting aesthetic. So we produced it with her and her platform called The Sex Ed, another partner of ours that's also obviously very, you know, invested and interested in kind of helping to get people to better understand their sexuality from, especially from like a consciousness-based approach is the way that she does it. And we had um, Heidi Bivens, who's the stylist and costume designer from Euphoria, Dress Everyone, which made it just look super, super cool.
0: Stuff like this for me anyway, from like uh branding wise, mm-hmm. like to me, like that's really what separates Pornhub, I think, from like any other brand or company we've seen in our industry before. Like, like Pornhub is definitely for sure the largest brand our industry has ever seen. Mm-hmm. Like that is so no one would argue that, right? Mm-hmm. And I think, like, at this point, PornHub is a household name. And I think those like initiatives and those like things are the reasons why I-, I know like it makes you feel awkward when I say things like this. And but, like, you are for sure single-handedly the reason the brand has taken that direction, like this more mainstream um, you know, helping the sex workers, helping our community like that direction. Mm-hmm. So, Thank like you <laughs> <laughs> I guess first I want to ask, like, was that the intention? like is it is the intention to like do all these good things to better the brand to make it more mainstream? Is it to like put us on the map in a certain way? like i I'm wondering like why these things are important to you?
1: I think it's a combination of both, I think, by um. You know, involving people like that, you know, like getting, you know, for instance, the stylist or the costume designer from Euphoria to work on this kind of project that would seem really at odds with something that she would normally do. Mm-hmm. It gets people to pay attention. Sure. You know what I mean? And and in a weird way, doesn't it like legitimize it of course, us a little it, bit? Of course. It's a co You know, for instance, we did this, this other event earlier this summer that um, – was great, it was called the consent event that we did in partnership with Fiona Duncan and Ezra Padgett from a group called Pillow Talk. And that was great because it was, you know, the the consent was, or consent was the topic that we were discussing or that they were moderating as like the topic for the panel discussion. But then we had speakers from so many different um, backgrounds that were all able to connect and speak on this one issue but from such different perspectives mm-hmm. and it really just gave for such like a rich conversation. So we had like Samantha Urbani, who's a friend of mine and is a musician and talked about, you know, her experiences with consent um both in her personal life and within the music industry. Um we had Chloe Sevigny, an actress that, you know, same thing spoke about it from both of those perspectives and then we had um sex workers, we had academics um again that all just gave really different kind of colorful nuanced accounts of, of their different experiences. And I think that's kind of like just what I've been trying to do with the brand is just kind of showing that like these things are, or these topics or these issues, I guess, are things that can touch everyone in really different Mm -hmm. ways, but it's really important and really valuable, I think, to listen to the sex work perspective for so many different reasons and just giving people, you know, that access point. So by putting them next to other people that they might be a little bit more familiar with, or in some cases, like a little bit more comfortable with. Like a Chloe Sevigny. Exactly. Or a Heidi Bivens, or like, you know, you think about like the Pornhub Awards, like certain performers that we've had there, like a Bad Bunny or mm-hmm. whoever else, Bella Thorne, you know, directing a, a porn for us. Like, it just makes people pay attention. Like, oh, that's cool. That's weird. I wouldn't think about, you know, that name necessarily being associated with Pornhub. And then it's like, oh, wait, like, let's see what else is here. And then they then engage with, like, the rest of the subject matter.
0: And also, like, I think one huge thing that all of that does for us is, like, it really normalizes our industry. Mm -hmm. and normalizes Pornhub and, therefore, normalizes porn and sex work. And then that normalizes, you know, female sexuality. And, and, like, I think—I don't know. I feel that it is so important. And I think, like, you are someone that really, really believes in that, in the importance of that. So, like, I— Thanks, Alex. Thank you. <laughs> That's so nice. <laughs> so in this new role, like what are your short-term goals and like long-term goals for the brand? I think
1: they're probably the same, the short and the long-term goals. Like the the big thing that like I'm really focused on and that I'll continue to be focused on is just making the platform like the best that it can be for the sex work communities, for our creators so now, you know, the people, I guess, you know, they, there are so many ways, of course, that people can get in touch with us and communicate about questions or issues that they might have as creators on Pornhub. But just now that there is like an official person that's kind of like the face of that, I would hope that that would invite like even more conversation mm-hmm. um, and and just getting, you know, we always want feedback from people like are there things that we just have blind spots for? Like, I know that we've we've like done this with you a million times where like we've been like testing like like a product or a feature or something. And it's like, we know that we're not content creators. We know that we're not sex workers that are trying to reach an audience, right? So like, it's so important for us that we have that perspective and that we're inviting people that actually, you know, are using these tools to be at the table and giving us, you know, real time, like feedback on like, how this feels for you. Is this useful? Is it not really useful? Is it interesting? Is this going to help you make more money? Like that's one of the big areas for sure. Obviously continuing to just try and like get the brand, you know, just better understood. I think, again, there's just so much unfortunate misconception Mm -hmm. about Pornhub, who we are, what we stand for, what we care about. And, um, you know, just clarifying that as much as possible. And Do you think that's
0: possible? Like it, it, I think so. It feels like, people i i think like what is working against porn is that people don't want to believe otherwise
1: of course but i think that's also you know in our specific case i think one of the big struggles with that has just been the absence of someone that can speak to that right you know so now hopefully that there is that i am here <laughs> and that like i'm willing and able to have those conversations i'm
0: hoping that there will be an openness I think there have been so many instances like within the industry and something I hear over and over again when things are going down and like Pornhub is, you know, being talked about is like, why isn't Pornhub saying anything? And like that has been like a very, very real thing where we within the industry, we know what's going on. Right. It's so obvious to us. And yet, like to the world, it's not Mm -hmm. because the world is, again, believing what they want to believe and like believing these lies being told about our industry. So, like, I think that's—I I really am so hopeful for that change. No, me too. And, like, a lot of the time, it's not that we
1: weren't saying anything. It's just that, like, you know, in response to certain criticisms or allegations, like, we've always sent, you know, statements that have explained our perspective. Um, a lot of the time, that will simply just not get included mm-hmm. in an article— or it'll be, like, really, really trimmed down.
0: And a lot of important stuff just gets removed from that. True. Like, I've even given statements. Yeah. And, like, I've said things that I, like, thought were, like, pretty profound and thoughtful. And, like, actually, like, really, really sensitive to me, to myself, you know? And, like, and then, yeah. Like, when I read, like, the article, I'm like, oh. Yeah, just that, took that, that, that one shitty. line. Like, yeah, that you're... didn't
1: really mean anything. Exactly. So it's it's really just, like hopefully like part of the, the approach here is that if there's someone that's actually talking, Mm -hmm. you can't just interrupt that. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's like, you can't just like not put the whole statement in. So it's just like, the hope is that there will be more opportunity for actual engagement. Yeah. It's, it's definitely, um, it's been an uphill battle and it probably will continue to be for a little while, but I'm hopeful too.
0: Specifically, what's
1: next for Pornhub? There is a lot coming out in the next couple of months. I'm really excited about the Pornhub Awards. The next one, I won't give a date just yet because it's a surprise. (laughs) But um, we're going to be doing it different than we've done in previous years. I think it's going to be really exciting. And it's going to be, again, just a really fun celebration um, for the industry and the people that have achieved quite a bit over the last year. Um, and then
0: that's co- like another really cool thing I think yeah. that you guys do is like, you know, I'm from an era where like porn awards and, and I say this as like even a recipient, like I can admit that like our previously our awards were like decided by a room full, like eight people in a room, mm-hmm. you know, like not like actual data. And like, it's not like we ever got anything beyond just a trophy. yeah. Right. And bragging rights.
1: No, exactly. And that's why I think that like the Pornhub Awards resonate with people in a different way, because it's not just like you said, like a group of people that are handpicking winner based on, you know, whatever their respective individual Mm -hmm. motives are. Um, For us, it's really data driven and it's about, you know, views and clicks and engagements with people. So it's like really earned in a different way. And Mm -hmm. then we do take that really seriously as an accomplishment, which is why we give people actual money with their prizes. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, that's coming up in the next little bit. We have a couple of really fun collaborations that are coming up, too, in the fashion and art spaces that you probably won't see on our Instagram. But they'll be posting about it. So <laughs> watch the <this> space. <laughs> do you more. think, like,
0: is one of your goals? Because I do see, like, it, it's, it seems like your personal mission, like, to – continue collaborating with like artists and, you know, other brands. And like, is it, do you think like, do you think porn will truly be seen as like art one day? I
1: think it already has been. Yeah. Yeah. I think that there's moments of that for sure. I don't think that like, obviously people aren't going to just outright say like this exact statement that you just made that like porn is art and art is porn or whatever. But I think that there's certainly a lot that's been created that can definitely be considered as occupying both of those worlds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like we've, I think we saw that, you know, really directly in the the art show that we did a couple of years ago with Michelle Macron, the pleasure principle, which just like celebrated all different facets of like, you know, specifically female expressions of desire. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the work that was shown in that show could have been classified as porn or pornographic, but mm-hmm. like, you know, it's, in a gallery like with like blue chip artists so who's to say who's to say who's to say us <laughs> yeah i decided it's art yeah. <laughs> with my women's studies degree <laughs>
0: <laughs> thank you all for listening to the first episode of terms of service a new Pornhub podcast starring alex kakessi and myself in the following episodes, we'll be speaking with porn star and journalist Shuri DeVille, gossip columnist and internet celebrity Perez Hilton, professor of gender and sexuality studies, Lynn Camella, Mike Stabile of the Free Speech Coalition, and infamous podcasters, The Ion Pack. Terms of Service is a Pornhub podcast. Our executive producers are Alex Kakessi, Ezra Paget, and me, Asa Akira. Our producer is Ryan Woodhall. Thank you to Ian, Eduardo, Michael, Sana, and the whole Pornhub team. Also our LA team, Bryce Halleck and George Kimmel. And of course, to all of our wonderful guests.